We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good evening to all those out there in Irish Breakdown land. I'm Vince D'Addario. That guy right there is Jesse Styers, And we have the Monday version of Ivy Nation Sports Talk. And we got some good stuff that we're going to talk about today. Jess, obviously, you know, not a great weekend for Notre Dame athletics. Can I say athletics if we include this afternoon? Um, So Notre Dame obviously did not fare well on Saturday against Clemson in the football arena. Then we throw it across the pond to France, and the women did not fare too well this afternoon, uh, or at least afternoon for us, evening for them out in Paris. Uh, they did lose 100 to 71, I think was the final score. Yes. Um, it was, I turned it on in the second half, Jess. I don't know how much of the game you had a chance to watch. Uh, I'll get your thoughts on this thing, but basically, it was about a 20 point deficit at that point and it just kind of stayed there and then you know south carolina poured it on there a little bit at the end but um definitely a few bright spots to take away from this game though too yeah i think that uh you know in the women's case um today in paris they what really sunk them was a, a poor second quarter you know they were winning by a point at the end of the first okay uh they they got beat by 60 or they 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 gave up 24 and only scored eight in the second. So 16 point differential. And I think that hole was just too big to come out of against a team like South Carolina. Um, And, you know, they just didn't really have an answer for a lot of South Carolina's big plays down low. Um, But like you said, there are some, some good takeaways, including, you know, the true freshman Hidalgo, which she did this today. I mean, scored 30 plus, I believe. Was it 31 or 30? It was one of the two. I think it, um, either way, it was a 30, yeah. 30 piece as a, a freshman debut. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, obviously, that's something to be excited about. Everybody knew that she was going to be something special. And Olivia Miles still out with her knee injury that she sustained at the end of last year. So, you know, I think that combination of Olivia Miles, Hannah Hidalgo in the backcourt, the biggest issue, though, man, has nothing to do with who's uh, bringing the ball up and down the court, though. 
they better find an answer for the bigs because uh, the big four South Carolina had herself a game today. I mean, they just kept dumping it down low. She had, I think she had a double, double for sure. Rebounds points. She was on fire, man. Like they, you, they, they had no answer for South Carolina's bigs. None. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The holiday season is upon us, which makes my schedule a lot busier, and I know it does yours too. And that can make it a lot harder to make healthy meals at home. And that's why Angela and I are happy we found Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I'll be honest, we were skeptical when we first tried Factor, but it took one meal each and we were sold. Once I got done looking through all their different options, we decided to jump on board because there are so many tasty options. We use Factor for dinners, but they also have great options for breakfast and lunch, and their Gourmet Plus options are outstanding. That's why I'm excited to have Factor partnering with Irish Breakdown. So head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish to get 50% off your purchase today. Yeah, and that, that was the the big difference. Like you said, she had 20 points. Um, and I think I saw, like, at one point, like, the point paints was, like, 18 to, like, 40-something. So Oof. they were just getting dominated uh, down in the paint. But that's that's the biggest issue. You know, Notre Dame has really good guard play, and that's only yes. going to get better Um you know, once, once, uh, oh, what's her name? It's Blanky. You just said it. Olivia Miles. <laughs> Olivia Miles. Sorry. I get yeah. her Tron and Hidalgo all confused. Oh, now. I hear you. It's like a three headed monster, but so yeah, they, they have really good backport backcourt, really good guards. It's just, they need to find an answer down low because a lot of these elite teams, you know, including South Carolina are going to have skill players down at yeah. the center position. So you have to have an answer for it. No doubt about it. So they'll make their way back to the States along with, uh, Sean Styers and wife. All, AKA mom. Uh, they'll make their way back here from France. And I believe, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe Sean's first day back in the catbird seat of Ivy Nation Sports Talk will be Thursday. Does that sound right? I believe so. Okay. So I think that's going to be Thursday. So he'll be back. It'll be you and him on Thursday. It'll be you and I tonight, obviously. And then tomorrow, we're going to have a special guest. Tonight at 7 o'clock, 
and we'll try to get out of here as quickly as we can. We'll obviously go a little past seven, but uh, men, the men's team is going to kick off their season tonight at seven o'clock uh, at home. So we're start we're of a new see, era. Yeah, we're going to get to see kind of where things lie with, with this team. I mean, obviously it's going to be early. They're going to be in their non-conference. Uh, but, you know, this is the one that counts, right? We saw an exhibition game. They look really good. Marcus Burton led all scores with 18. He had the most points at 21. I mean, sorry, points 18, minutes 21. So he was on the floor a bunch for a true freshman. So he's getting the uh, the old trial by fire uh, treatment over at Notre Dame, which when he committed, I don't think he saw being the case. But uh, that's kind of where things stand. For Notre Dame basketball right now, so we're going to see what they've got in store, and uh, we're going to have Tom Noy on tomorrow at six o'clock. He's going to talk to us about what he saw tonight, and then we're going to kind of preview the season, what he sees. I mean, look, this Notre Dame men's team was picked to to finish fifteenth, which, by the way, is dead last in the ACC. That's not happening, Vince. I don't think so either. I really don't. Then that's not just overconfidence. I just, I, I truly, I just have a hard time believing that it. They're just going to be you know, dead last. I know the roster wasn't in a good position. And obviously, you know, you have changed at the head coach position, but I think both of those things actually are on, you know, on the upside. I think you, you're getting a more kind of current generational coach, right? Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of players on roster uh, that maybe didn't fit the mold of the previous coach. And right. I think that might lead to a different kind of style of basketball uh, in which Notre Dame men's play. So I'm excited to see how all that turns out. And I think Micah, like Marcus Freeman is a good recruiter. So I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see. And hopefully this season, they kind of have enough to, to get going a little bit. Well, and it's going to be very interesting because, you know, the reason they were picked last, look, let's be honest. Nobody knows anything about this team. I mean, it's right. literally a <laughs> roster full of new faces. They're either new to the roster or they're guys that were already on the roster that didn't play. So, I mean, th- this is a brand spanking new roster. Nobody knows anything about them. So yeah, they're going to be picked last. Now, I'm not saying they're going to compete for an ACC championship. I'll never say never, but I, I mean, I don't see that <laughs> happening. But I think what you are going to see from from everything that we've heard from Micah Shrewsbury, from the very little bit that we've been able to see, you're going to see a team that hustles, a team that plays defense, a team that's going to try to score in transition. You know, th- those are recipes for me. That's a recipe for a team that I want to follow and that I want to be a part of. And so uh, I'm excited for this season. But we'll have Tom Noy on tomorrow. At six, we'll talk about the team, and then he's going to stay on and join us for rapid fire. And he doesn't know that yet, and he's at the game, so he's not going to know that until tomorrow. But <laughs> he's here for the duration. Let's go, baby. baby. <laughs> he's here for the duration. He's getting the full IB experience. That's right. Right. We're giving Jesse the night off. He's going to be able to do his thing, hang out with uh, Bailey, and then we're gonna we're gonna lock it down here at Irish Breakdown. So. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun tomorrow. So, Jesse, the state of South Carolina has not been good to the Irish over the past uh, 48 hours or so. I always forget Clemson's in South Carolina, I know. Too. I, I do, too. For I don't know why. Thank you for the good geography refresher. Yeah, no problem. Do what I can for you. Uh, somebody in the chat actually stole. I, I got to give credit where it's due, right? Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Said something about the Palmetto State not being good to the Irish uh oh that's I mean, what that was I, okay i saw that earlier too yeah and i don't even know where it is now and so you know obviously this is making for great radio um but uh <laughs> oh here it is d rock here we go got drilled two out of three days versus the palmetto state 
<laughs> You're not wrong, man. Like no other way to put it. <laughs> it's just not wrong. Uh, one team wanted it more, and one team was more talented on this day. Let's put it that way. Um, so this is your first opportunity to kind of talk about. I was going to say you probably game. talked a lot. You guys had a long post game show. You had it upon him further review yeah. last night. I usually by the time I get to Mondays, like I'm talked out of whatever game that was yeah. played on Saturday, but you haven't even had a chance to get after it. So the floor is yours, Jesse Styers. Oh, wow. Your, your thoughts I am in. on the game, man. Just wherever you want to go with it, we'll go with it. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> I think the first thing to kind of talk about is when we left, because you and I did the pregame show. We did. And I feel like a good place to start is right where we left it um at the end of the pregame show and i think throughout the show i was kind of trying to ask you know who this game uh who who was going to be who like how meaningful this game was going to be to each team and how like who was going to be uh, who was going to who was going to be actually more meaningful too in the end like overall as well and what i'm getting at is i think clemson this game just meant more to them and i think it meant more to Dabo, and i think it meant more to where they were at this season and where they're trying to get, you know, get things turned around to. Um, And I think they're the team that ultimately played like it at the end of the day. I thought they came out better prepared. I thought they came out and, you know, pushed Notre Dame around in some sense. Um, And and then, you know, you, you throw in a lot of misfortunate things that Notre Dame did. It was like kind of the perfect recipe for if Clemson were going to win the game and, and there was a checklist those things need to happen. And, you know, the muff punt would be on that checklist. Mm-hmm. A pick six from the quarterback would be on that checklist. Um, and then just the inability for the offense to move the ball or five, six straight, you know, consecutive possessions. And so it, it just really turned into um, a sloppy mess towards the end. And for Marcus Freeman, I just feel like it, it's it's not a great look. Because to me, it really has me questioning how much has he really improved from last season. And I know, you know, you look at records, I think that's like, you know, what that's what you get paid for. That's what you get judged on. And so, you know, that right now, they're only one loss away from last season with two games left. And I think if you told a lot of people going from just four wins to potentially, or sorry, four losses to three losses, um, that wouldn't be, you know, good enough for a lot of people, you know, knowing what they had coming in at quarterback um, and just kind of the the overall hype around the program this year. Yeah, I mean, you took some pretty big picture takes there, and I, I appreciate that because I think, you know, we all went into this season, um, you know, saying 10-2 and was the floor. Bottom line, 10-2 and is the floor. And they're in the basement now. They're below that. And – you know, at this time last year, Notre Dame had the exact same record. And that's those are just facts that those are numbers, right? Now, you could argue that the losses last year were worse than the losses this year, and I think you would be accurate. And so at the end of the day, let's say Notre Dame, you know, they win the next two games, which by God, they better. So they win <laughs> the next two games. They're nine and three going into the bowl season. They win the bowl game, they're ten and three. So you got a one-game increase record-wise than you did last year. So it's it's a step in the right direction, but it's a very little step in the right direction. <laughs> like, it's very – it's not enough of a step, right? Like, we were expecting not a leap, but a 
big step in the right direction, and that didn't happen. And so you do have to question a lot of things. Big picture, top all the way down, right? And I, and I think that that's okay. I think it's okay to, you know, ask those questions. I think those questions need to be asked, right? That's our job. We have to ask those questions. Yeah. You know? And I think that the, uh, the, the other thing that's super frustrating to me is Notre Dame is super talented on defense this season. Yeah, point blank, I would go even far to say that this is a national championship caliber type defense. I, I think that sometimes they struggle in some instances, but overall, I mean, look at what they did to USC and then look at what USC sure. did with Washington the other night. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. completely different. That's one of the best, you know, college quarterbacks that there is. And then I, you know, I think special teams is a wash. Yeah, they've done some things you know, here and there, good, obviously creating points. But then against Clemson, it was not even the muff punt. It was just, you know, bad field position play that special teams oh, created, giving absolutely. up long returns to Clemson. Chris yeah. Tyree kind of fumbling some field position on some punts, obviously, with you know, he fumbled the punt as well. And so, you know, they've done some things good, or, good and bad special teams this year. And so to me, it just comes down to the offense just hasn't been enough for what this team needed with the level of play that they've gotten, you know, out of the defense this season. I think that's sure, sure. the frustrating part, especially when you bring in a quarterback that, you know, was kind of supposed to be the bandit. And to me, that's, that's the thing is you have a super senior quarterback and then basically an all freshman cast around him. And I think that that disparity between the two is just a lot. I mean, you have a first time offensive coordinator. I mean, I guess, you know, West Virginia is whatever. I, I count this as a if first. This is his first time. Right. Full right, full time. I don't want anyone to be like, no. oh, well, okay. So no, I was no. getting this, that out this, of the way. <laughs> this is the first, this is the his first go as an actual offensive coordinator. Right. Absolutely. And then, I mean, then you add in, okay, Mitch, look at some of these, you know, top uh, receivers this year for Notre Dame. Mitchell Evans had like, you know, five career catches, I think, before this. Um, you know, Rico Flores, obviously zero catches. Um, Jaden Greathouse zero catches. Um, Jaden Thomas had like 25 catches. Actually, I think I was when I was looking at it, Chris Tyree technically had the most receptions, <laughs> and he wasn't even a full-time receiver at that point. And so, you know, it's just like a, a cast of all this this youngness, which is great because that's the exciting part about Notre Dame football, in my opinion, is all these young new players, dynamic players that were already getting the chance to see, but it's just I don't feel like they were ready enough potentially for for Sam Hartman. And on the flip side of that, I don't think Sam Hartman has done enough uh, to, to help this team as well. So it's just, it's just a bad cocktail of stuff on offense. And it's yeah. just been unfortunate at the end of the day. And I, that's, I don't know. It's just, I, I really, really wish <laughs> I, I obviously all of us that that offense was better considering how great this defense has been this year. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, we Brian and I kind of broke it down or broke down a few of the plays, a number of plays actually on upon further review last night. And it's, you know, again, like you said, I think you put you put it very well. It's a it's a it's a cocktail of issues. And I had some fun with you on on Twitter today. And, and of course, some other people jumped in. I thought that was fun. It was just um, a PR stuff. It's, it was, I was trying yes. to we were trying to get people to tune trying, into the show. That's right. Trying to get people excited, want to see us argue with each other. That's um, how you get the people fired up. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there were play calling issues. There were 
um, issues up from the offensive game plan, right? Right. And there were issues with execution. And you put all of those things together and you roll them up into a ball and you have a loss to Clemson. I mean, that's. And the thing is, too, it's against a good defense. It's not like it's against a scrub of a defense, right? And so it's like you can't go through these issues when you're trailing against a really good defense on the road against a really good coach and a really good atmosphere. And so it's just like you just start swirling all this stuff in. It's like that's what it felt like was just this black hole that was just kind of sucking Notre Dame in throughout the the entirety of the game. Well, and it's and and what we tried to show everybody on the show last night was that you know, just saying, "Ah, oh, play calling, fire the offensive coordinator." It's it's a little bit of a lazy take, right? I mean, if you really dive into the film and you and you look at, you know, kind of where things are and what was called and what the situation was, you know, there's not a lot in your playbook that you say, oh, well, the center is going to get blown three yards back into the backfield. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> and that was another, you know, right. that's, that's another part of, you know, some of the, the, the notes I kind of had in my phone from the game that I, I didn't get to is the offensive line wasn't great no. really either. You know, Sam Hartman was like pressured 61% of the time in dropbacks yeah. or something. You know, it's yeah. like, come on, you can't even add that, you know, it, it, amongst everything else. The offensive line is supposed to be kind of your backbone and even they're struggling. Right. So, I mean, it was, like I said, there, I had issues across the board offensively, to be honest with you. And the only, actually, the only position group that I thought played well was the, was the running back position. Audric Estime played out of his mind. Yeah. So he, made, he made things happen when there was nothing there. Nothing. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, he's literally hurtling his own guys who are in the way. You know what I mean? So, he played really well. Offensive line, not so much. Wide receivers did not play well. But they were open, but Sam Hartman just kind of refuses to look at them at times. And so I'm not going to rehash everything we did. Go check out upon further review, folks. If there you are, if you are just a it's the play calling and the offensive coordinator, okay, go watch the show and then see what your thoughts are. I'll just I'll just say that, right? And again, we are not giving a pass to Jared Parker. Okay. And I'll just give you a little piece of it right here, right? When they were on the goal line after the Xavier Watt, I think it was, no, it wasn't the Xavier Watts interception. It was the long run by estimate that got him to like the two yard line. And they came yeah. out in 13 personnel. everything in two times in a row. May as well have been 14 personnel, basically, because they brought uh, Rico Flores inside the formation. So literally you're trying to run into an 11 man box two times in a row. It's bad play calling. Like, Play action on the first pass when you have 11 in the box. I like Notre Dame's chances to score there, right? Yeah. And then on the third down, you run a two-man route, number one, which I didn't like. You roll to the short side of the field, I believe. Maybe it was the wide side. Either way, you roll to a two-man route. Jaden Greathouse is open, and you sail the ball 10 feet over his head. So it's like play calling and execution on that drive was terrible. So, you know, and then you said it, right? Special teams, gaff, the the punt return that we've been off of uh, Tyree's face mask, the pick six. Those two things don't happen. Notre Dame wins the game. If yeah. Enough, if nothing else changes. Notre Dame wins the game. Notre Dame wins that Defense game. Defense only gives up 17 points. And right. uh, another one of that, seven of those points come off, uh, you know, Clemson just running into a backside kind of safety blitz, you know, oh, yeah. on that 40-yard sure. run, right? So it's right. like. 
which is a bad <laughs> run fit by DJ Brown. I mean, if he yeah, he should, if he it, just if he just hugs it and and you know, you know squeezes down, he runs yeah. right into the running back, and so. Again, it's like it, you, you, three literal plays, and it's like, okay, you can probably say that about a lot of games, but like, you know, Notre Dame's defense relatively played, I well, thought, pretty solid. Look, bottom line, the last six drives of the game, Jesse, Notre Dame forced uh, Clemson into five punts. It gave the offense <laughs> five right. punts. They, and a they fumble. even thought the game was over and somehow right. found a way to punch a fumble out. Five punts and a fumble on the last six drives of the game. And Notre Dame says, nope, hold my beer. We're going to punt it four times, uh, throw an interception, and turnover on downs on those six drives. It's like even the defense comes out of the second half and sets the tone with an immediate interception down to like the five-yard line. You know, it's like, I don't know, the the defense is just kind of out of its its mind right now. I guess the last thing I I would want to to get your take on when to finish up kind of Clemson is – you know, what about the, the Marcus Freeman, you know, the three straight field goals and again before halftime, no timeouts. You, it, it, My thing, again, okay, before halftime is – sorry, not no timeouts, but you don't take a timeout. Um, Marcus Freeman's kicked three field goals the entire first half. You have the ball potentially with like 40, 50 seconds left. You've seen Sam Hartman do well in the two-minute drill before, and – you kick three field goals, so why not just try to get into field goal range again? You know, in a, in a first half where you're kind of struggling. So I don't know. I guess just overall, I feel like Marcus Freeman is is more conservative or fearful than I would like to see. And I guess I would like to see kind of how you feel about that now that you know we're nine game or sorry, ten games into the season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, we, we kind of talked about that as well, that particular, uh, you know, situation. And, and Brian kind of pushed back and he's like, well, you know, you call timeout here. You're not really going to get the ball back. And I didn't really have a chance to analyze it. it. In the moment, it felt like, well, Marcus Freeman doesn't have a whole lot of faith in this offense anymore. Right. Like, that's what it felt like to me in the moment. Um, I didn't break down like, OK, you call timeout here. You run the ball. You call time like. I didn't really break it down, but I still feel like Notre Dame could have had the ball with some time left and chance maybe to get into field goal range. I mean, you have one of the strongest leg legged kickers in NCAA. Give him a shot at a long field goal, man. I I wanted him to call time out there, and I was surprised that he didn't. I'll just well, again, if you've if you've kicked three straight field goals, how are you not trying to at least get another field goal with like a good right. chunk of time kind of left? So I don't know. I just I feel like 
that Marcus Freeman is still going through some of that, you know, growing stage of figuring out who he is and what he wants to do sure. as a head coach. You know, what uh, on certain days, what does that look like of, you know, I'm more leaning towards going for it, I'm more not. You know, I'm, I don't want my team to potentially, you know, put us into a further hole before halftime. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's just some of those growing pains with Marcus Freeman still a little bit. Yeah, I know. I agree. And uh, look, I think we can all agree that the the steps of progress are shorter than we would all like. We're, <laughs> we were hoping we are, for strides this season. Yeah, man. No doubt about it. We're all <laughs> disappointed. Like, I'm not trying to uh, put lipstick on a pig here. We're all disappointed in the way the season has gone. I mean, there, there's no there's no two ways about it. Now, losing that game on Saturday gives all of those people that wanted the LSU-Notre Dame matchup to come to fruition a, a potential you know i'm rooting for spot. notre dame in kansas i'm trying to take pops to notre dame in kansas Ooh. hey i was looking at you know all the bowl projections and everything and seems like a lot of people have notre dame going to the relia quest bowl in Tampa, yeah. florida and uh that's a that's a big thumbs up for this guy like i wouldn't mind going to tampa <laughs> for a week i'd be all right with that um especially but, in the uh, winter i'm just saying I'm just saying that game's on January 1st. Like I can handle a little January time in Tampa, uh, which by the way, I will say this, the location of the ReliaQuest Bowl, in my opinion, is a thousand times better than the location of any of the New Year's Six games. Just saying. That, <laughs> that's me talking. So, um, so that's the silver lining for me. But look, we're all disappointed in what happened on Saturday. There's no doubt about it. Now, there are positives that you can take from this season. And there are a lot of questions that you can still take from this season as well. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about, uh, I guess, kind of quickly, because we talked about this for 25 minutes already. But does Notre Dame start playing for the future or do they kind of stick with what they've been doing for the last two to three games of the season? So, all right, you know, people are calling, you know, bench Sam Hartman. Bench the three fifth-year uh, senior linebackers. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. So let's talk about it. What does it look like if they, quote-unquote, start preparing for next year? Uh, to me, I think the, the only thing, realistically, that you have to look at in terms of preparation for next year is do you bench Sam Hartman or do you move and move on to Angeli slash Menchie or – uh, do you let Sam Hartman finish out his, you know, essentially his college career um, in these last two games? Because I, I honestly don't think at any of the other positions that it's even worth a debate. Those guys are going to play the rest of the season. Um, the only reason why it becomes a quarterback to me centered topic is because Notre Dame still doesn't know what they're going to do at quarterback next season. And Marcus Freeman has publicly said that essentially. And so, you know, it's, it's, is it really essentially worth it to bench Hartman and go um, to to some of these younger quarterbacks that could that could potentially play next season? And to me, it's all about perspectives, the perspectives of the team. If you bench Sam Hartman, perspective of the fans, if you bench Sam Hartman and the perspective um, to Sam Hartman, if you bench Sam Hartman. Right. Um, so I guess I'll dive into kind of the team perspective first. You know, how does a team feel uh, you know, how does J.D. Bertrand feel? How does Joe Alt feel? Some of these guys who are going to be moving on next year that essentially that, that their last few games are just these experimental games, right? Like these guys have put in their time. They've sacrificed to the team. 
I think that everyone would say you'd want the best player out there to help you finish out um, this season, right? Like no players, you know, end of their kind of career season should feel like this experimental, you know, thing for, for the coaches potentially. And so I think that's one perspective to look at it. And then obviously, you know, the fans perspective, what does it look like, you know, benching your starting quarterback? Obviously there's going to be, everyone's going to have an opinion of, oh, well, you know, it's a waste of a season. Let's just move on. Um, that kind of thing. And then Sam Hartman himself, you know, he didn't, Sam Hartman came to Notre Dame under the pretense of he was going to be playing for, you know, Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman. And then as soon as he, you know, comes here, that all changes to now Jared Parker to who is again, as a first time offensive coordinator and Sam Hartman obviously is trying to help Notre Dame, but he's obviously trying to help himself at the end of the day too, to potentially play football, you know, beyond Notre Dame and, and the collegiate level. And so, you know, I would feel pretty betrayed, I guess I would say, if I was Sam Hartman, that I committed myself to Notre Dame to make them better. And now I'm just being kind of tossed to the side because we didn't get where you wanted to be at the end of the season. Right. And so I think those are the, the main perspectives to look at this. So, sorry, I kind of probably went oh, on a little good, bit man. long there. But I feel, again, that's just kind of how I think that, again, the perspectives are, are, are the big part of, you know, how you go about making this decision. There, and there's a lot of people in the chat and then otherwise they're like, we don't owe Sam Hartman anything. You got to prepare for the future and, you know, all of these different things. And I'm not saying that you owe him anything. That's not the stance that I would take. He has a C on his jersey for a reason. He right. was elected a captain on this team, right? He's a leader on this team. I mean, yeah, Joe says he got a huge NIL payday. That didn't come from Notre Dame. Look, that came from companies. Like that's not, <laughs> again, they don't owe Sam Hartman anything, but what message are you sending to the rest of the team that you're going to bench your captain for the last two to three games of the season? Like that's not, a, I'm sorry, as a coach, that's not the message that I'm prepared to send. I, I think that's ridiculous. And who's to say that the play of these two kids, you know, whether it's Angeli or Minchie or whatever, is going to be better than Sam Hartman. Who can guarantee that? The bottom line is you need to win these last two games, period, end of discussion. And you got to put the best team that you have out on the field to win those two games. That That's the way I see this. You, you got to win, man. You got to win. Now, I think it's a legitimate question to ask, right? That, okay, Sam, you're not playing real well right now. So, I need to see you play better or else we're going to have to start having a conversation about limiting reps or whatever the case may be. I'm fine with that too. I'm fine with Angeli getting a series, you know, in the second quarter or, you know, having a package or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm actually fine with that. Okay. And as Joe says right here, the game should be well in hand by the half. Yes. Starters sit then. I'm actually fine with that because you're not playing for style points anymore, right? The the Relia Quest Bowl is going to take Notre Dame at nine and three. They don't give a rat's patoot how you got there. They don't care. They just care that you're nine and three and that you're available to put butts in the seats down in uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. That's <laughs> all they care about, man, because you're not playing for a New Year's Six anymore. You're not paying, you know, you're not uh, playing for a national championship anymore. It doesn't matter. You got to win the game. 
I I think there's a happy medium in there someplace, right? It's not bench Sam. It's not bench the linebackers. It's not bench anybody. It's, okay, we're going to put our best team out there to win the game, but we're going to rotate a little bit more, right? Let's get Braylon James some time at wide receiver because clearly he's like the fastest guy on your team and he can't even sniff the field. I bet you he can make a play or two against Wake Forest at home, you know? Um, you know, give maybe those linebackers a, a little bit more time on the field. You know, maybe Billy Shrouth deserves a uh, a drive, you know, at guard. You know, maybe Andrew Kristofik deserves a drive, right? We don't know if Zeke Carell is going to be back with the, the concussion and all of these stuff, other things that got him sent out of the game. I think that, you know, again, there's a happy medium someplace, right? I think you can rotate. I think you can give guys some more playing time. I think you can pull the starters at at a a certain point, but that's where I'm at. Like I'm not looking to bench guys that, that just sends the absolute wrong message in my opinion, because even if you're a young guy who you're getting benched for, you're going to be like, man, next year, if I'm, you know, whatever in the season's a a quote unquote lost cause, that's what I I mean. Am I going to get benched next year for the, how does it look potentially to to transfer portal people too? like it, it, who wants to come play for Notre Dame if they're just like, oh, yeah, we're not winning enough games. So, you know, my last year of college, I, I'm, I'm just going to get kind of thrown out, you know, to, to the curb. And and that's that goes exactly to what you're saying. You know, these these players should not have to worry about just because, oh, but we're, we're not, you know, essentially meeting these intense expectations of national championship and New Year's six that the whole season is just a complete waste. And now we just get benched. For that reason, that that that's not what the the standard that you can that, right. that you need to be setting as a as a program, right? And right. someone else in the chat brought up a good question. It's like, okay, say you roll with Angeli and it goes miserably, and right. Wake Forest beats you, then what? <laughs> now you're right. exactly in the same position as last year. Then Probably, yeah. Then you haven't done. You haven't given your team what you need to give them as the head coach. Like the yeah. bottom line is, you got to put your best team out there, whoever that happens to be. If you feel like somebody else is better than somebody else, absolutely. That should have been the case from game one until game 10. You should always be reevaluating your depth chart and, and all of those different things. Always. That's not a week 11 thing when the season is lost, right? <laughs> Quote, unquote, like the season's lost. There's nothing. I mean, to that's why for. Faison has made his way to the field at this point, because he's gotten better throughout the season right. and climbed his way up that roster. Yeah. The, the roster has readjusted and at this point in the season. Faison is better than what he was at the beginning, and now he's on the field because of it. Right. Exactly. So I I think there's a happy medium in there someplace. You don't need to bench everybody, but I think other guys need to start getting some maybe maybe some more serious looks, uh, you know, that kind of a thing. You're coming off of a bye, so you've got a little bit more time, obviously, before Wake Forest. And let's all remember, too, how well Notre Dame plays at home. It's a home game next, so... <laughs> You know, blow them out, get guys in the game, see what they can do, and then figure out how to beat Stanford that now people are afraid of Stanford because of what happened last year and how Notre Dame plays on the road. So everybody's afraid that they're going to lose to Stanford. Again, number one priority here is beat Stanford, beat Wake Forest. End of discussion. Best players play until they're not anymore, I guess is the best way to put it, man. Let me go to the flip side of this real quick. I, I want to kind of entertain the idea. 
entertain it, baby. Let's go. If you're Notre Dame, who are you throwing out there? Angeli or Minchie? Because Angeli is probably your short-term, you know, I guess, right. Band-Aid. But, like, is he really your long-term next season, what you really think is going to happen at quarterback? Like, you know, that's where I'm like, is it like, would Minchie potentially be playing? Because, you know, to me, I would want to see Minchie as a starting quarterback next season compared to Angeli. Maybe C.J. Carr, you know? And so it's like, even if you put Angeli out there, Again, it's like, is that really your long-term answer for next season? You don't even know. So it's, again, what true benefit, I guess, is coming out of, of playing, I guess, Angeli in that game? Right. And that's, you know, we've heard, obviously, good things about Kenny Minchie and what he's been doing in practice and all of that. But the bottom line is every depth chart that they send out has Steve Angeli as the second-string quarterback. He's the guy that you put in. Unless you're going to change the depth chart. Okay, which they have every ability to do, but unless you're going to change it, then Steve Angeli is the guy that you're that you're talking about putting in right in, in Hartman's place, and that's really your answer for this program going forward. You know what I mean? And so it's like, is it really worth it to re- like put Angeli right. in there for two games and say, yes, Steve Angeli is our quarterback the next two to three seasons? I just don't right. think that's the case. So why even put him in these last two games? Right, exactly. And if you want to have, I mean, again, you start Sam. It's senior day. It's Wake Forest, you know, all of those different things, right? I'm starting Sam Hartman, period. Again, I'm not saying that I owe him anything, but he's still the captain on my team. He's still the guy that was voted as a leader on this team. He's going to get the start, period, right? You can build something in for Steve. You could build something in for Kenny. Because at this point, we're not really worried about red shirts. We're not really worried about any of that stuff going down the stretch here. So you play them both. Okay. I'm cool with that. If you can figure out a logical way to do it, I have no problem with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if anybody out there thinks that Steve Angeli is the answer there, it's going to be fool's gold. First of all, because of the competition that they're playing. I mean, (laughs) bottom line, if he goes out there and he just lights it up against these two teams, I just, it's going to be a long off season. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. It'll be a long off season. So, um, yeah. And I think, I, I think that you need to give both of these guys an opportunity to show what they can do in a game. I have no problem with that either. Whether, it, whether it's Steve or Kenny or whatever. I think that's a great idea. I think that's totally fine. Um, you know, you got to see what you're dealing with. You get to see him in practice, you know, all of that. Uh, but I'm, I'm very interested to see kind of where things shake out over the next what three months in the quarterback room i really i mean that's the biggest question going forward with this program because the defense has proven and the defensive coordinator have proven to be enough to to for for the the level that notre dame would like to be at but you know the, the the quarterback play the offensive production and some inconsistencies at head coach is is some of those limiting you know factors it's like Notre Dame has like the second least points put up against USC this season. And USC played like Fresno state and, you know, San Houston state or something to begin the season. It's like, how are you in the same category of those players? And so that's gotta be the, the biggest question going forward. What are you doing at quarterback and offense to get yourself up to speed with the rest of the team? Essentially. Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, again, I, I think that, 
you know, all spots are open, you know, that kind of a thing. But at the end of the day, you've got to play your best guys. You got to win. Like the bottom line is you got to win these next two games. You got to get to nine wins, man. Like <laughs> somehow, some way you can't lay an egg against either one of these teams, whether it's at home or on, on the road, whatever you, you can't lose these games. You can't, and, and you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater either, either. I mean, look, it's well-documented. If you watched the show last night, Sam Harmon did not have a good game. He hasn't had a last couple of good games. I agree with you. I have no problem with that. So, you know, I guess it would, the only way it would be different for me is if Sam Hartman went into Marcus Freeman's office and he's like, Hey, I did the best I could, you know, coach, I understand if you want to, uh, you know, turn the page to next year, get these guys some playing time. I'm cool with that. I'll coach them from the sidelines, you know, whatever. If he does that, then so be it. Right. I don't see that being the case, but you know, Sam Hartman needs these reps just as much as anybody else, right? I, I just, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think benching Sam Hartman is, is the answer. That, that's that's where I'll leave it as far as the quarterback is concerned. I think everywhere else, I mean, I think you look at opportunities to get some different guys uh, in the game. Vince, we have some big super chats. Uh-oh. And we also have some fun topics that are, not so argumentative that that are that 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 should rise the spirits of everyone as well. In rapid fire because we got some oh, good stuff in rapid fire. That's what I mean. Yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. We will get there. We're not there because there's a lot of news, a lot of breaking news today. Today was a good day for like if, if for content, you know what I mean. And it all just kind of like wrong. boom, dumped it one time. It was fantastic because <laughs> when I woke up this morning, that was not the case. Like, what are we gonna talk about like what? But no, rapid oh, fire was man. the easiest rapid fire I've ever written in my life. All right, but we do have some super chats. Actually, they're both from Joe, my, our buddy Joe, which Thanks, I really Joe. appreciate, man. Thank you very much, Joe. It says, starting with the fact that I still think Parker is in over his skis. That's fine. Maybe not in play calling, but in teaching and coaching what he wants. Is the new offensive coordinator in-house or elsewhere? Or do they give Parker another year? There was another or as well, but it wasn't part of the super chat. And I think it said, or is this how Freeman wants the offense to look? Mm -hmm. I, I think that was also the last part of this question. Okay. I think that's a legit part of this question as well. So I'll give you first stab at it. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go one by one. I do think Parker is in over his skis. You know, how how much that is, that's up for personal debate. Um, I also think that he he could, because he is a first-time offensive coordinator, I do think that he's not going to be perfect at teaching and coaching exactly what he wants. I think that's going uh, to take a little bit of time. Um, and, and so that kind of leads into the next part. Um, you know, is the new OC in-house or elsewhere? Or do they give Parker another year? I mean, it... it I think I think there is what's going to happen. I think there is what you might want to happen. I just don't see Marcus Freeman cutting the axe on Jared Parker uh, this this early into this you know this offensive coordinator um, role. So I, I do think he's going to get another year. And I think Marcus Freeman does have um, a say in kind of how this offense looks. And maybe Marcus Freeman also needs to reflect a little bit more about if that is the right style or, you know, what's best for Notre Dame kind of going forward as well. So I hope that kind of answers the question. No, I, I think um, I think Parker's in a little bit over his skis as well. But I think a lot of that is coming from the head coach with the manner in which he wants the offense to run. I do think that that's a legitimate problem. 
Um, and I think that Marcus Freeman is going to have to evaluate literally everything in his program. Um, you know, maybe leave the defensive side of the ball alone if there's no changes, like if there's no voluntary changes, as in, you know, Al Golden doesn't voluntarily leave for the NFL or voluntarily <laughs> leave to be a head coach, right? I think you leave the defensive side of the ball alone, but I think you have to evaluate the offensive side of the ball. I think you have to evaluate the manner in which, you know, you operate on the road and and the preparation for for being on the road. I think there's a lot of things that they need to figure out and evaluate. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, whether that ends up being Parker getting another year, I don't know that this is a Parker problem. I think this is more of a Marcus Freeman problem, if I'm being honest. Like, I know for a fact certain things that that Parker believes in that we're not seeing on the field. Why? Why? Why is that? Why is that taking place? I don't know the answer to that, right? So I think those kinds of things need to be figured out. Is it Marcus Freeman just saying, hey, you know, Jared, offense is yours. Do it. You, however you, however you want to get us points, man, just make it happen and give it like, take the reins off. Just let him go. Right. Or if, if it is hit, like, this is the, this is the shell we work in and this is where we're going to be. And I don't think it matters who your offensive coordinator exactly. is. That's exactly. my issue. That's my biggest issue. Um, if they decide to make a change in offensive coordinator for whatever reason, I do not think that the offensive coordinator is in-house. I think they would have to go elsewhere. Same. Um, you already tried you, in-house. Yeah. Do it I, again. No, I agree. And the guys that, and the options that you have in-house, I don't know that they're great no options. No one's ready for it. Um, you know, Gino Gadouli was an offensive coordinator at Cincinnati. There's a reason that he's not the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin right now. Like his head coach didn't even ask him to come. So what does that mean? Right. right? Um, I think, uh, I think Rudolph has offensive coordinator, you know, titles in his background, but the offensive line has regressed very bad. Not very badly, but definitely regressed this season, which is also a part of the problem. Like a lot of people in the chat brought up. So I don't think it's, I I really like of all the things that we're talking about right here. The one I know for sure is is not in house. So I think your options on the table right now are you get Parker another year or you find somebody outside the program to bring in. But again, I think it starts at the top. Yeah. I, th- I think what it is starts that? at the What's top. The philosophy. And that's the thing is we just, we, no one kind of really exactly knows because Marcus Freeman is never just going to come out and point blank say it, you know? And so it's like, it's it, uh, like you said, it's, it's a big reflection of the, the man at the top. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, there has to be some self-reflection, but here's what I do know. Knowing Marcus Freeman, as long as, as we have in the media at Notre Dame, he is very good at self-reflection. Constantly I mean, self-reflecting. I think he does a very good job of that. I'm just hoping when he does that self-reflection in this offseason, that it leads to the place that I want it to be led to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's, that's my hope. Right. And, but only time will tell on that one. So Joe, thanks for the super chat, man. We really appreciate it. He's got another one that we'll pull up here. Thanks again. He goes, I really, really, really think we shouldn't go to the portal next year, but the coaches need to get Minchie up to speed quickly. So here's my thoughts on the portal. As far as quarterback is concerned, Joe, 
they're going to go to the portal for quarterback. Okay. They are hundred percent. And here's why. Number one, they need a fourth arm for camp, for practice, for whatever. You need four, all right? And DeVizen is not the fourth arm. He's a, a walk-on quarterback. You need you need four. Here's the other thing. If they go into a quarterback competition in the spring between Carr, Minchie, and Jelly, okay? And let's say Minchie wins it and, you know, doesn't matter who two and three are. The chances of Steve Angeli transferring, I think, go through the roof because the writing would be on the wall that he may never be the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. And he's going to look elsewhere to play because, as Brian said in this afternoon show that I watched for a little while, if Drew Pine was going to transfer without a Notre Dame degree, then I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody transfers without a Notre Dame degree. So they're going to get a transfer. I'm not saying they're going to get a transfer for a starter, but they're going to get a transfer at the very least for depth, period. So don't be surprised when that takes place because then the competition happens in the spring, then you're going to see defections and you're going to need those arms you can't go into a. You can't go into the season with two scholarship quarter quarterbacks. You yeah, can't. it's just asking for a disaster. Absolutely. So yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, I I believe that they they do need to go to the to the to the portal for like you said, um, an insurance policy. You need that fourth year or not fourth year. You need that fourth scholarship, and like you said, in case someone potentially transfers because of where they're at at the te- you know in the depth chart, um, you, you just got to have enough uh enough bodies around but i don't think that nerd should go to the portal for a starting quarterback i, I think they need to start that process yeah. of of you know home growing kind of their own um quarterback situation and i think you know not to get too crazy of a comparison and i'm not you know i'm not trying to make anyone upset but like what harbaugh did at michigan is he stripped it all down and it took a little bit and it was a little uncomfortable for them for a couple years but I mean, look at kind of where they're at as of now, like, right? and they started with kind of, you know, JJ McCarthy bringing him up. And, and I think that's just kind of, you need that kind of quarterback development in order to run a sustained program and consistently have kind of good quarterbacks um, coming in and out. And it's like, you know, this, it, it, you bring in Sam Hartman this year and nothing has really changed offensively from last season. Right. And so what is, what is the real advantage of bringing in someone like Sam Harton? If he's one, not going to be fully utilized. And two, if he's not going to give you any increased or boost from prior seasons. Right. And so at that point, you just got to roll the dice, bite the bullet and start training, you know, start developing backs from the ground up. Completely agree. Completely agree. I'm not going out looking for a starting quarterback. I'm not, I'm going out there and looking for a camp arm. I'm looking for a guy that can give you quality depth. You know, you you, you can't. Also you, someone to learn from as well, you know. For sure. Like get somebody who's got like, okay, I, I don't have a name. Brian and Ryan are way better at that than I am. But you go and get like an Ivy League guy who started a bunch of games, who wants to get a free graduate degree from Notre Dame. Okay. He comes in. He's a sounding board for the quarterback room. He's an arm. He's all of those things. Go get that guy. 
there are plenty like people are like who wants to come to Notre Dame to sit the bench uh there will be plenty of guys that will come to Notre Dame for a free graduate degree and promise you that I'd love to have that <laughs> right that's what I'm saying so like there are plenty of guys out there that would be that would jump at that opportunity and, and it can actually happen right again you can't go into spring with three scholarship quarterbacks because the chances of one of them transferring out when they're not on the depth chart where they want to be is too great for me. That's too great. I'm going into spring with four scholarship quarterbacks. Period. That way, at the very at the end of the day, I've at least got three going into the next season. I mean, I you just you can't. You can never be too sure, man. I am not rolling that dice. I'm not rolling that dice, man. I'm just not doing it. So, um, so yeah, I think you do have to go get one. Um, I do. We got a couple more super chats here. Then we're going to roll into the next thing from Anthony. No question. Just wanted to say thank you. No, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate you, man. That's awesome. And then Joe with another super chat. Third time's a charm. That's the turkey. The turkey of super chats. Says thank you, fellas. Always love the shows, and we love you, Joe. Thanks, man. Really, the appreciate hat trick, that. baby. That's right. That's awesome. We appreciate that, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.